It doesn't matter whether we are young or old. Decisions are sometimes not the easiest, are they? I was watching um, that, uh, that background on that song called Oceans, and you see the tide coming. You see it rolling and heading towards you. And sometimes in life, you don't see the wave coming, do you? In the midst of trying to make a decision to where you don't wreck, it's hard sometimes, isn't it? Good morning. My name is uh, Cody Hensley. I'm the student pastor here at Hilton Head Island Community Church. And before we get started this morning, I would love for you guys to pray with me. God, uh, thank you so much for your ultimate wisdom. God, you are our refuge when we are weak. Lord, you are strong when we need a Savior. So God, I I pray by your Spirit you speak through me this morning. May it not be my words, may it not be my pearls of wisdom, but God, may it be centered on you. Because you alone are the wisest counselor that we will ever know. We pray these things in your name. Amen. And uh, if you guys want, you guys can follow along this morning. Uh, We have an app that you can go to. Uh, It's an awesome app. Under there is his message notes. You can follow there. And if you're online, you can go into our website and check out our message notes. And if you're here today, you received a worship guide. Uh, Our notes will be on the back of that worship guide. And so we're just going to kind of jump into this. And the first thing I want us to, to kind of nail down is, I want you guys to think about what are the top three things that you guys go to guidance for? So when we think about decision making, what are the top three things that we go to? Uh, we're going to get back to this later on in the sermon, but I want you to, for right now, take a brief moment and just jot down what are the top three things that we go to or you go to for decision making. Um, teenagers, I'm sure that's Facebook, right? Netflix, it's always something good on there. So this morning we're talking about decision making. And um, for our passage, I would love for us to focus on the screens here. In the scripture it says in Proverbs eleven fourteen, where there is no guidance, a people falls. But in abundance of counselors, there is Safety. There is safety and abundance of counselors. And what I love about this passage is that word guidance is talking about steering of a ship. It's like a rudder. He's saying, in the midst of decision making, our decisions is like a rudder and it will steer us in a specific direction. As we're talking about the waves coming, you need a rudder to get out of that wave or it's going to crash on you. So our decisions is like a rudder. It will determine what path we will go. And some of you have probably never been on a boat, but what about driving? Have you guys ever noticed when you're driving on the bridge and it's a beautiful morning, you're checking out the landscape and you're like, oh, wow, that's a beautiful sunrise, or, oh, I see a dolphin over there. But what happens with your hand when you look left? 
it goes in that direction. Because what we pay attention to will determine what direction we will go. And we get that in driving. And we get that when we're on a boat, there's a rudder that steers us in a direction. But what about decision making? Is it really that different? What I see, I don't think it's really that different. I think they're the same. There is something that guides us in a direction. And I believe that is life choices. Decision making. Which is crucial. So when it comes down to it this morning, how do we make good decisions? How, How can we get to where we want to be? And I think first step is to choose God first when making good decisions. See, it takes God to guide us by his spirit for us to recognize where we should go. It's seeking God first. And we see this in Matthew 6.33. Seek the kingdom first and these things will be given to you. Seek out God first. And he knew that it will take us seeking out him because he sent his son to make us new. So it's leaning on God. And I get this from Proverbs 3, 5 through 6. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. And do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. And he will make, your, he will make straight your paths. And I love this word trust. This word trust in Hebrew literally means confidence. So what he's really saying is have confidence in the Lord. Have confidence in the Lord that he will do what he said he would do. Joshua says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Romans 8, 23 says, he works for the good of those who love him. It's having confidence in God that he will do what he has already said that he will do. And I can kind of probably stop right there for most of us, right? See, we, we may have a little bit of confidence, but is it really the wholehearted confidence? Do we really trust God that he will do what he has said he will do? Do we really believe he, he will do what he, you know, do we really believe that what he's already done is for us? Do we have that confidence? And see, some of us, when we go with our prayer life, we kind of go with a half-hearted confidence, right? It's like, well, I'm going to ask for this, but I really don't think you're going to do it. Because you didn't really answer my 50 other prayers that, you know, that I have already brought up to you. I'm still waiting for my mansion. It's not here. Where's it at? So obviously God isn't going to do what he says he does because he's not protecting me because I still haven't got that job I've always dreamed of. I don't have the wife that I've always wanted. I don't have the kids that I desire. So God, I'm going to give you a little bit of confidence. You can take my job. I don't really care about that. Maybe vice versa. Oh God, I'm pretty good at my job. I really don't need you. So I'm going to pray for my kids. They need you. They, they need Jesus. My kids need you. Please take them. But I got me. I'm good. 
And let's go to this word wholehearted. Trust, have confidence with all of your heart. Which means in everything that you do, submit it to Yahweh. Submit it to Jesus. In everything, that means all life decisions. You submit it to God first. See, some of us, we like to compartmentalize God, don't we? There's some things that we trust God, but there's things that, no, I don't want you to touch that. I don't want you to touch that because I really don't think you can deal with it. I want to let you know that our God is the biggest rudder you're ever going to know. This is pretty huge. He will determine your direction when you lean on him, which goes to the next part of, of the verse. Do not lean on our own understandings, which I love because this, what he's really saying is, hey, don't support your life on your thoughts. See, I know me, I'm an idiot sometimes. I will confess that to you. My wife's not here. I won't confess in second service. But I'm an idiot sometimes. I don't know about you, but the pattern that I see in my life when I'm an idiot is because I'm leaning on me. When I'm like, oh, I'm strong enough. I got this. I'm a smart guy. I'm about to finish my master's degree. I'm in the PhD program. I'm pretty good. God's like, ha, you lean on that. Destruction is coming because you can't handle the tidal wave that you're about to hit. Do not lean on your own thoughts. Let's think about this. We've been maxima on this earth, but the oldest person right now, maybe pushing 120 years ago. So we have an infinite God who was there before beginning, and we got 120 years, and we think we're really good at picking out thoughts. My wife changes decisions by the wind. But yet we think, oh, I got this. I, can, I, I figured her out. No. Ain't going to happen. Because we don't have confidence in God. We don't think he can really handle our lives. And this word that he used, acknowledge, acknowledge him, which simply means know, which means there has to be a relationship. For you to know someone, you have to have a relationship with them. So he's saying, know him, have a relationship with him, and then he'll make your path straight. Have confidence that he will do what he's already said that he will do. Don't lean on your own thoughts. You're not, when we come time to it, we're not really that smart. And have a relationship with him. And then, and then, he will make your path straight. Well, some of you are like, well, Cody, that sounds all great and dandy, but how, how do we get there? Well, I think one way, the way that I, I've, I've chosen in my life is in step two. You choose to hear from people you want to be like. You seek advice from people who are in a position that you desire to be in one day. And I get this from a story in 1 Kings and 1 Kings is a historical recordings of kings of Israel and Judah. 
in this historical recording, there was a young king, Rehoboam. And he grew up with a father who was the most brilliant man around. In fact, he's still known today as the wisest man that has ever lived. Human. And God gave him a double portion of wisdom. So he was like a genius. Even though he was a genius, he decided to degrade himself and follow other gods. And he also followed women. So his lust for women and sexual desire turned him away from God. In fact, there's, we couldn't even count the number of how many concubines and wives that Solomon had. Some say he could have a wife and a concubine twice a day for the rest of his life. And he followed after their gods and rather than the God who gave him the double portion of wisdom. And so God spoke to Solomon. And he says, because you've turned your heart from me. And it's kind of ironic because he wrote Proverbs 3, 5 through 6, trust in the Lord with all your heart. But yet his heart went away from God. Why? Why would that happen? Because his life decisions, his rotor was not geared and steered by God. It was geared and steered by sexual lust. Because of that, God was like, I am going to split your kingdom. I made a promise to your father, David. So he gave one portion of the kingdom to his son. And he said, I'm also going to give another portion to a servant. Yeah, no no bloodline to you, Solomon, because obviously you're not really that good. But I'm going to give to your servant. He's going to take the other half. And so when Solomon died, and it came for the decision of who's going to rule the kingdom, it was forced upon his son, Rehoboam. And Rehoboam was at a crossroads. The tidal wave was coming. Everybody was depending on him. He had a decision. How am I going to rule this kingdom? And that's where the story starts. So if you want to follow along, it would be 1 Kings chapter 12, verses 1 through 11. Rehoboam went to Shechem, for all the Israel had come to Shechem to make him king. Again, all of Israel came to make him king. As soon as Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, this is the servant of Solomon, which God said, that's going to be the guy who is going to receive half of it. This hasn't happened yet. This is a little foreshadow. Son of Nebet heard of it, for he was still in Egypt where he had fled from King Solomon. And then Jeroboam returned to Egypt, or he turned from Egypt. And then he sent, and they sent and called him. And Jeroboam and all the assembly of Israel, all the assembly of Israel came and said to Rehoboam, Your father made our yoke heavy. Now therefore, lighten the hard service of your father. And his heavy yoke on us, and he will serve, and we will serve you. He said to him, Go away for three days, and then come again to me. And so the people went away. Hey, this is he did something smart. He was like, This decision is huge. Like this does not just affect me and my kids. No, this affects all of Israel. Millions of people depend on what I decide. 
Now, I know some of you are like, Cody, millions of people don't really depend on, on what I have to decide. But probably five, two, heck, if it's one, that has importance. And what I love about this is that he went and was like, give me a couple of days. Um, a little side note on this one, if you write this down, is good decisions take time. Good decisions takes time. Depending on how long that is, that's between you and the Lord. But good decisions, they take time. Um, mostly, they take time because God answers them on his timing and not ours. Remember, having confidence that he will answer. Goes back to Proverbs 3, 5 through 6. So let's continue. Verse 6. The king Rehoboam took counsel with the old men who had stood before Solomon, his father, while he was yet alive, saying, how do you advise me to answer these people? And they said to him, if you will be a servant to this people today and serve them and speak good words to them, when you answer them, they will be your servants forever. Wow. They will be your servants forever. Rehoboam, if you just show humility, these people will serve you to death. They will go to the point of death. If you just show just a little bit more humility than your father. Another side note, it when we're seeking after counsel, if we're seeing people that I want to be that person, seek people who know humility. You want to seek advice from somebody who's a servant of servants. Because good leaders are servants of those who are underneath them. Jesus, God, was called the servant of servants. God himself came to serve. Why should we be any different? Seek advice from those who seek out humility. Let's continue in verse 8. But he abandoned the counsel of the old men. He almost had it. It was right there. But he chose to abandon the counsel that the old men gave him. And he took counsel with young men who had grown up with him and stood before him. And he said to them, what do you advise that we answer these, this people who have said to me, lighten the yoke that your father put on us? And the young men who had grown up with him and said to him, thus shall you speak to these people who said to you, your father made our yoke heavy, but you lighten it for us. Thus shall say to them, my little finger is thicker than my th father's thighs. And now, whereas my father laid on you a, a heavy yoke, I will add to your yoke. My father disciplined with whips, I will discipline with scorpions. See, we're stepping back like, that's an idiot, right? But how far are we off from this person? If we really ask that question, are, who am I really like? 
Well, I don't know about you. I've already confessed. I'm an idiot. I think our lives are entangled more than what we think. And I love when this Hebrew word for, he took the advice from young men. You know what that means, really? He took advice from children. That's the proper translation, is naive thinking children. The author who wrote this wanted the reader to get, oh my gosh, old men to babies. He listened to a baby over an old man. So what does that say about Rehoboam? Well, he just wanted to be cool like the boys. He wanted to be the Fonz, which is funny because he is 41 when he became king. And the people he was seeking after was younger than him. He wanted to be cool. He wanted, his, he wanted to be hanging out with his poker buddies. Take advice from a poker buddy. Really? Millions of people are based on your decision. And you're going to talk to a guy who bets his whole life hoping that he gets a, a flush. Doesn't make sense. But again, how far are we from Rehoboam? See, some of us, we've made those decisions, haven't we? We've took advice from somebody who was in the same situation that we were in. How, how did that work out? Is that business still existing? How's the marriage? Misery loves company, doesn't it? Do not lean on your own understandings, but have confidence in God. It goes back to step one. So when we choose to, see, to seek out advice from people, we should choose from people who are way ahead of us. I ask a marriage advice from Joe and Shirley Newton. Why? Because they got decades. I got two years. There's no way. Their knowledge doesn't even compare to anything that I know. Why are we seeking after the advice from the blind? It doesn't make sense, but we do it. I, I think we do it because we don't really follow step one. We really don't have confidence in God that he will send people in our lives to direct us. Rudder. Life decisions. Seek advice from people who you want to be like one day. And the funny thing is, this is not really a new concept, is it? Um, I, I know this. I don't really say anything profound. And I'm okay with that. Because if I say anything profound, I probably wouldn't, I wouldn't understand it. Thank you. <laughs> I have so much confidence in myself right now. But it's not, not a huge, profound steps. But it's interesting because when we, see, when we read the New Testament and when somebody would go, come up to Jesus and say, Rabbi, teacher, we see 12 men follow Jesus for three years. You wouldn't go up to somebody and call them a rabbi or teacher if you didn't want to be like them. To be a rabbi, you had to choose a rabbi to be like. You know, this wasn't like they had a university and they were like, oh, you, do, you got an A, you got a B. No, it was like, a rabbi, you say, I want to be a rabbi. You choose it. You're like, okay, you have to know the 631 laws. When you get there, come follow me after that. 
And so they can memorize, and so they memorized that 631 laws, they couldn't even come talk to a rabbi. So when they memorized that, they're like, okay, rabbi, I want to be like you. So if that rabbi would walk at a 45-degree angle, you would too. You literally would follow the footsteps of that person that you chose to be your teacher. If they did not eat meat on Thursdays, guess what you did? You did not eat meat on Thursdays. But this is interesting because 12 men chose Jesus to be their teacher. Why? Because they wanted to be like Jesus. And then when Jesus died and rose from the grave, it gave us an opportunity to be like him too, by the Spirit of God, which says in Ephesians 5.1, hey, be imitators of Christ. So if you're a Christ follower in today, if you're here, you're a Christ follower, the person you should be seeking out to be, to be number one, is Christ. Ephesians 5.1, be imitators. Why? He's saying, well, if you call him God, you call him teacher, guess what? You walk in the footsteps of Jesus Christ. If you're wondering what that's like, go to the Gospels. Start on the Sermon of the Mount. You walk in the footsteps of Jesus Christ. And we can get there. If you're like, there's no way, Cody, that I could be like Jesus. <laughs> yes, there is. Because again, not only does God has given his word and his spirit, he's also given us a community. A community. A community is supposed to build us up. You know, I've talk to a lot of parents and like, Cody, it takes a village. It does take a village to raise children. It does. Why? Because the community is supposed to build one another up. But here it is though. Rehoboam, he didn't want to be a part of the community. He wanted to be with the knuckleheads. Well, here it is. Um, taking advice from knuckleheads, you will become one. I mean, the science says it. <laughs> you know, whatever you get pushed towards, Whatever directs you, you will go. So if you take advice from a knucklehead, poker buddy, who you want to be like? Is that the person you really want to be like? Look at Rehoboam's story. This is kind of interesting because God promised Solomon. He said, you know what, I am going to split your kingdom. Proverbs 3, 5 through 6, have confidence in God that he will do what he said he will do. Well, he said, I'm going to split it. Don't you worry about that. I'm going to split it. And he did. The kingdom was divided. God uses our mistakes and the mistakes of others to fulfill his purpose. He, he used those to get us back on track. Why? Because God has made all of us a certain way, and he wants you to be the person he made you to be. So how can we, again, go back to guidance? How can we then get our life back on track? Okay, I see the person I want to be. I'm supposed to follow Jesus Christ. How, how, how do I get on that track? I think it's what we do in step three. We choose to surround ourselves with environments that set our course. See, what we pay attention to 
the most will guide our decisions in life. Rehoboam paid attention to his knucklehead friends. So what did he do? He did knucklehead move. He told Israel, I'm going to discipline you with scorpions. Kingdom divided. And see, some of us have had experience with that, haven't it? One decision went bad. But we can get back on track when we choose in, to get in the environment to set us on course to be the person that God has designed us to be. He's given us his word. He's given us his spirit. And he's given us a community. Choosing the community that's going to build you up to be the person that you desire to be one day. Hanging out the bars late hours at the night, is that the person you really want to be? Do you want to be Norm from Cheers? Students are like, who's Norm? Google him. Is that the person you want to seek advice from? The buddy in the bar? Because his life has turned out so well, hasn't it? Choosing the environments to set our course. Rehoboam wanted to be a young, foolish man. But he was 41. He wanted to be 20. And he didn't want to, he didn't want to be anything like his father. I want to make it harsher. I want to prove this world that I can be a better king than my dad. But the advice was, seek after what the old, man has, old men have said. Not the, new, not the young guys who don't know what they're talking about. The man who was in front of Solomon in his decision-making was trying to guide his son in that same process. What environments are we in? Um, a little bit of my story. Uh, I have applied, I've tried my hardest to apply these principles in my life. In fact, the reason why I'm up here today is because I followed after a man who I decided, you know what, I want his story. I want to be like him. And his name is uh, Mike Parrott. So I kind of made a funny thing in my head. I want to be like Mike. It's a commercial way back in the 80s. Kids have fun with that. But I want to be like Mike. He was one of the most godliest men I, I've ever known. He was a professor of mine at Cedarville University. He was uh, my professor of Christian living and youth ministry. Mike Parrott, he worked for Campus Crusade for Christ for 25 years. And um, in the midst of his 25th year, he was hanging out with a 15-year-old at McDonald's. And he told the class, he said, as I was talking to this kid, God was saying something to me. He was saying, why are you not teaching other people to do this? Why are you not going out to tell college students to do what job you're doing? And he, at the time, he was 60-something. He was like, I didn't felt right hanging out with a 15-year-old. Kind of look awkward. They was calling me his grandpa. And he told uh, us in this class, and he said, the reason why I'm here today guiding you is because God told me that you needed to be guided. And in the midst of that 25 years, he got his um, master's from a seminary and got his doctorate. And so and after that class... I went to go talk to him and say, you know what, I, I want that story. I want the experience of 25 years of ministry, and then I go tell college students how to do ministry. The reason why I'm in here today, the reason why I've been in ministry for 10 years is because that man 
And I was like, I want that story. I want to guide college students who are clueless, young men who are clueless of how to do ministry. I want to guide them in ministry when I have been through the ministry. Now, I wanted the credentials to be like Mike. See, but you don't have to have my story. Ladies and gentlemen, there are so many godly men and women in this room who you are sitting around who have been following after Jesus Christ and would love to guide you. Because it takes a village to be guided in our decisions. See, we can be imitators of God by finding godly role models, by reading his scripture. Why do you think we challenge you guys for this month to read scripture? Reading scripture, finding godly men like that man. He said he went out to his, God, his dad and was like, hey, I don't, what do I do? See, some of us probably just need to change our surroundings. We know the godly men we want to be. We've seen them walking around here. We need to change our surroundings and our environments. So what are the top three things you use for guidance when making decisions? Where is Jesus in that? Where is the Spirit of God in your decision making? Where is the Bible? Are we leaning on our own thoughts? Or is it Google? Dr. Oz? If there was a bottom line this morning, my bottom line would be this. Who are you going to allow to control your rudder? Who's your rudder? Would you guys pray with me? God, thank you so much for this Amazing congregation. They woke up and they're here. And Lord, I I am in the same boat with them. God, I need you to guide me in my decision making. Lord, I I need men and women sometimes to guide me to you because of my sinful nature. Lord, if there's somebody in here who don't know you as father, as counselor, spirit, I pray that you put on their heart to have confidence in you. God, if there's somebody here this morning who's like, I lack confidence in God, spirit, I pray you pour confidence in them. That you will remind them that You send Jesus to spare us. You send Jesus to redeem us. God, I I pray that you are also remind us that you are bigger than our decisions and you are bigger than the mistakes that we've made. So Lord, if there's somebody hurting here this morning who who is hurting because of a decision they've made, God, I pray that you, you heal them. And let them know it's been taken by the blood of Jesus Christ. 
Lord, we thank you so much that you have given us your spirit. You have given us your word. Lord, I pray for more. I pray for a desire to know you more and to be guided by you. Lift these things in your name. Amen.